Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wolf Packer Show. I'm here with Noah Fleischman, as I am every week, and we're here for another basketball update. And, um, you know, we're entering the home stretch here, just a handful of regular season games to go for both men's and women's basketball at NC State. So, we're going to talk about um, what's there to look forward to for both teams over the next few weeks. And then we're also going to dive into what is going to be one of the most anticipated spring football practices of um, maybe program history. It's, it's gonna, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of questions to answer, and a lot of um, excitement around the program. So we're going to touch on that, give you a little preview, because, when, I mean, shoot, we're only less than two weeks away from um, spring practice kick, kicking off. So we're going to talk all about that. Before we do so, just a quick housekeeping note. We're both uh, writers for the Wolfpacker.com. Um, that is NC State's site on the On3 network. Um, it's the fastest growing college sports recruiting analysis website out there right now. Um, if you want to go check it out, it's the Wolfpacker.com. And it is only $1 to subscribe for all of you know On3's premium features and the features over at um, our site. So you, that's access to our message board premium recruiting scoops, team analysis from Noah on the men's basketball team, what's going on there. And um, we got baseball season coming up, and Noah's you know, keeping us, getting us prepped with a long preview um, by position right now. So go check all of that out on the website. It's a good time to join, only $1 for your first month. And um, go check us out there. We appreciate your business. All right, Noah, let's dive in. We're going to lead off today with some basketball talk. And, um, you know, it's, it's, been another tough stretch for NC State's men's basketball. Um, since we last spoke, 
Um, NC State went 0-2. They lost at home to Pittsburgh before going on the road and falling against Wake Forest. Those two losses came by a combined seven points to you know hard-fought games that the Wolfpack came up just short in the final moments. Noah, we can start by just touching on the Pittsburgh game really quickly. Um, obviously, that was kind of you know backbreaking result there. Uh, now that we're a week removed from it, do you have any kind of extended takeaways from um, that 67-64 loss? I mean, they did most things well in that game except shoot free throws well, and, and that's what ended up costing them when they went 6-15 to for the free throw line, Pitt went 18-20, to and in a three-point game, there's your difference in, in the results. So other than that, they played decently well um, on every other facet of the game. You know, they made more threes than Pitt did, and Pitt is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And, and they, they basically look at the stat sheet. They did almost everything else better than Pitt. So that one was came down the free throw shooting, and it didn't show up that way. And Kevin Keats sounded like a broken record after that game and had it circled on his stat sheet that he had at the podium. It was all about free throw shooting and uh, did not go there well. So it was what it was. Not a game that they wanted to lose, not a game they really should have lost, and, and not a game that – you know, they could have lost when it comes down to the NCAA tournament, which we'll talk about. But, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't their worst showing. It just ended up, you know, one fundamental thing of basketball didn't go their way and it ended up hurting them pretty bad. And you were in Winston-Salem a few days later to cover the away game at Wake Forest. It looked like it was going to be just a perfect opportunity to generate um, some positive momentum with a quad one road win. I mean, they go into halftime up six. Um, yeah, the, I thought the offensive execution in the first half was maybe the best I've seen against an ACC team this year. I thought they were really just playing definitely their best performance on the road, I'd say. But um, I thought they looked great, dropping 45 in the first half. Um, and then the second half, um, DJ Horn just went nuclear, ends up finishing the game with um, 31 points. I mean, it looked like everything was going to come together in that game. Um but of course, things fell a bit short. Noah, in your mind, from you know being there by the court, you know talking to folks after the game, what went wrong down the stretch against Wake Forest that um swung that result back towards the Demon Deacons? It really had to do with who was taking shots. I mean, DJ Horn, you know, he scored thirty-one. He did it pretty fairly efficiently. You know, yeah. thirteen of twenty-one for the field just most made buckets of the year. And I think his most attempted shots. So, you know, they found the hot hand to let it go. But the part that cost him in that game was they didn't score for the final, you know, two minutes of the game and, and Wake Forest able to put it away. But also you look at the backcourt other than DJ Horn, Jaden Taylor was three fifteen from the field and Keith Marcel was three of eight. Dennis Parker Jr. off the bench one for two, which is, you know, pretty, pretty fairly well. And then Michael O'Connell, had one attempt, one make. You know, he dealt with foul trouble for most of the day, so he didn't see much of the court. You know, 11 minutes and four fouls. So it really came down to guys other than the, the, the guards not named DJ Horn making shots. You know, Jaden Taylor, as I said, three of 15 from the field, one of eight from three. Did have five assists in the game, but, you know, one of eight from three, three of 15. If he just makes two field goals, two of those, you know, 12 that he missed, they win the game. And so I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, other guys getting going. Kevin Keats just talked about it this week of finding other players that he can get going because DJ Horn is playing at another level. Past four games, yeah. 20 or more points. His first time in his career where he's had this kind of stretch um, at the college level, which is a good thing to see, you know, him kind of to making that step and becoming the scorer. But it comes down to the guys around him making shots too. 
you know, if you look at DJ Burns, played a pretty decent game, 14 points on 6 of 13 shooting. So, I mean, they, they he, he filled the bucket. Did miss some shots he would normally make, um, but it really came down to guard play other than other than DJ Horn. Yeah, I think um, DJ Burns has um, actually been pretty solid o- over the past stretch. I think he's given the pack what um, what they need right now. I, I just feel like they need, what, just two two of the three guards right now to be on to win. I, I think you need um, – like DJ Horn's been the constant, right? Like he's going to give you 20 points a night at this point. He's playing that high level of offensive basketball – but I think you just need one of Jaden Taylor or Casey Morsell to step up on any given night. And if those two guys are hot at the same time, then I think um, you have a good chance to beat some really good teams in the ACC. Because it's worth stating, like Wake Forest is a good team in the ACC. I think they should be a tournament team without a doubt. So uh, we'll see if they can kind of rally down the stretch here. Um, if that wasn't a must-win game, that Wake Forest game, which I, as far as their tournament chances, I think it – probably was this week's game against Clemson certainly is they get a few days off there's no weekday game um then they travel to Clemson for a 7:45 tip off on a Saturday some prime time basketball action no am, am I being hyperbolic here but it, it feels like they absolutely have to win this game if they want an NCAA at large bid they do I mean when you look at what they've done this year. They don't have any bad losses, which helps their cause, but they also yeah. don't have any great wins. It's it's kind of a weird thing. They they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and they lose the games that you know that they that you know maybe it's a toss up or the underdog. They don't hurt none of their losses have been backbreaking, you know, losses to a really bad team. Um, which is a good thing when you look at NC State. Mm-hmm. But they need a win. And last week going into this two game stretch on the road was at least they need to split to kind of keep their hopes alive. Two wins would have done them a lot of good. But a split kind of is going to be it. Because when you look at what they have down the stretch, after this they have fairly winnable games against Syracuse and Boston College at home. Should be able to take care of business at PNC in those two games. Then it gets tough again with, you know, you look at they go down the Florida State, who is net isn't good, but they're playing really, really good. And then Duke, Carolina, and uh, Pitt to round things out. So this one's a must-win game, I think, and, when you really look at their at-large chances, can only see them losing one more game down the stretch, and it's you can take your pick of Duke or Carolina. You could afford to lose one of those games, but you got to win everything else um, in between. And if that doesn't happen, then the state's going to need a, a run in the ACC tournament and probably a title to, to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think their hopes are starting to dwindle pretty fast here. I, I think it would have to be a lights-out stretch of basketball to make the big dance at this point. And, you know, that starts against Clemson, who, um, you know, we can do predictions for that game real quick, Noah. But you look at it, and this is a team that's had NC State's number, like six straight losses to the Tigers, dating back to, I believe, yeah, 2021. So it, it's a team that, you know, they've had a lot of success against NC State. I'm um, – I'm not going to predict this one as a win. I, I think um, Clemson's, you know, history against NC State will continue. I think they kind of have have NC State's number, and I don't really. And I think they're playing, you know, decent basketball right now as well. But um, no, do you have a different take on um how that game will play out against the Tigers? I think if they shoot the ball well and they get multiple guards to show up, I think it gives them a chance. 
it's really going to be determined in the front court and what they do with PJ Hall and Ian Shifflin. Those two, those two forwards are, are playing really good basketball. PJ Hall is obviously the star of Clemson mm-hmm. basketball. And you look at the Tigers; they're playing well. Two back-to-back wins. They play do play yep. against Miami on Valentine's Day, but they played and beat Carolina at Carolina for the second time in what sixty-two games. There. Yeah, yeah. And and then they beat Syracuse, and those are both teams that NC State has lost to. So it'll be interesting. I I don't know if Pack has enough to be able to do enough, if that makes sense, and, and be able to come out on top. It's gonna be a tough environment to play in Saturday night in Clemson. Um, it's gonna be a good crowd probably on hand and. ESPN gives NC State, you know, just under 20% chance of winning the game. That's kind of where it sits. I, I don't think that NC State will have enough to deal with both forwards, Ian Shifflin and, and P.J. Hall on this one. Um, ben Motorbooks knows from experience. He, he played against them, it, you know, especially P.J. Hall backing him up. But it's going to be a group effort, I think, on the front court. It's going to have to be a mix of Ben Motorbooks and Muhammad Diar probably on PJ Hall. He's too athletic, I think, for for DJ Burns to run with for the entire game. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But I don't think this one goes State's way. And if that's the case, then we're really going to see what this this team is made of. You know, not only you know just on the court, but I think off the court because it, it could snowball really, really fast. And and coming home next week, you obviously don't want to see that happen. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think Clemson's able to take care of business at home against the wolf pack but we'll see um yes yeah. nc state plays a perfect game could change and i think they have a little more margin for error against clemson than they did last year um just because like uh if, if you remember last year like it, like th- those games were not close um yeah. to, to end the season the the one in greensboro and the one in raleigh both decided by at least um 25 points um, and a big part of that is like they didn't really have anyone who could guard PJ Hall. He was a really tough matchup. But now you have um, Mo and Ben Middlebrooks, who um, I think are actually like pretty pretty good matchups against them. Athletic fours who can um, who, who can face off against them. And of course, Ben's case is former teammate. So, He's done it before. Yeah. So um, I, I think they'll be better equipped there. But um, you know, Clemens also good defensive team and i think they might be able to um slow down the pack's backcourt a little bit and and that's why um we have a little cause for concern down the stretch for that game but let's switch gears noah let's talk about a little bit of um wolf pack women's basketball why don't we um so since we last talked um they've played two games one was a uh, loss to virginia tech and one was a blowout win over pittsburgh Let's talk about the Virginia Tech game first. Um, it it felt like, you know, the matchup between two of the best teams in the ACC. Like, there was no doubt in my mind that these are like, two of the top group, the top group in the ACC right now. So you have um, – you went into this game and you – looking at last year's result where, you know, Georgia Amor just kind of went nuts – against the pack, right, at, um, at Reynolds. Um, this year, I thought they did a good job guarding her, and then things kind of unraveled when it came to um, guarding Liz Kitley um, underneath the basket and just rebounding as a whole. Re- re- rebounding and moving the ball just did not go well for the pack. They lost the rebounding battle by 17 and um, turned the ball. And, um, you know, it, it was just a tough uh, tough game for the pack. Um, no, you were there with me. 
in Reynolds. Um, we covered that one together. Um, Electric Atmosphere, shout out to all the fans that were there. It was a really fun um, fun game to cover. But um, any takeaways you had from um, where the pack might have struggled and why you know, they lost for the first time at home in almost a year? It's the same opponent, too, that last beat them there. So, you know, I'm sure that that's not what uh, the Wolfpack wanted. But, yeah, rebounding, I guess you, you touched on it. That was the biggest the biggest problem that they had, um, being out-rebounded 48-31. to 31. Not a great advantage, especially in a nine-point game or an 11-point game. Math is hard to do. But, you know, it was closer than 11 points for a lot of the game. And, and NC State yeah. just did not have enough. Um, and, and the rebounding is really what it came down to. Obviously, you know, Liz Kitley's going to score her points. It is what it is. She's going to get 25 fairly easily. So she got against the Wolfpack this time around. NC State, it also went cold for a little while. Mimi Collins 0 for 9 from the field didn't help. And uh, I think that's kind of the biggest difference when you look at anything other than rebounding is their forward's going to get going. You're going to have to have one of your players get going too. And when one of your better scores goes 0 for 9 from the field, that kind of tells the story. Yeah, and, you know, a big part of that was they started the game, like, on fire offensively, right? They they went in um, a 19-point first quarter, helped keep track, uh, keep pace with um, Virginia Tech, who also started the game well. And then um, they came out, and then Virginia Tech threw out the zone. And NC State has played well against the zone for, for big parts of this season. Like, seeing a zone was not a new thing. For, for the Wolfpack, but they, they couldn't crack um, Virginia Tech's look out there, and uh, it showed. I mean, you know, they had four assists the entire game. Um, Isaiah James and Saniah Rivers both had two. No one else on the team recorded an assist. That's not going to win you many ball games. definitely not many against them top, top 15 teams in the race for an ACC title. So it, it just wasn't the Pack's best um, defensive performance. I thought they did an okay job defending. Virginia Tech, especially um, pretty much every quarter other than the third quarter. They gave up 20 in the third, got outscored by nine, and that's when you know things kind of pulled ahead. But Virginia Tech shot the lights out, and NC State didn't, which is one of those games that um, they happen to most teams. They don't happen often at NC State because they've been playing so well um, this season, but they bounced back. They, they, they were able to rally and bounce back very, very quickly against Pittsburgh blew them out um, and left very little room for doubt in that game. But the only major talking point from that 83 to 47 win um, would be that, sorry, I'm trying to open up stats and it keeps auto playing ads. I don't know if that comes across the podcast feed, but um, they, they dominated Pittsburgh. And the only negative was that um, Mimi Collins left the game a couple minutes into the third quarter with um, what looked like a knee injury. Um, we haven't gotten an update on her. Um, after the game, Westmore told WKNC that they're going to have to you know, do imaging, um, see what the severity of it was. But um, you know, I have followed up for comment like this week and you know, haven't heard it. They don't have, they're not going to share an update until we get closer to the Notre Dame game because you know, why would they share anything? Um, that would give Notre Dame a competitive advantage there. But um yeah, I Pittsburgh game was great. The injury concerns, not so great. Um, no, I, I want to get your opinion on this as well. But if um, if Mimi misses any extended time, I think you have to completely recalibrate your expectations for this season. I mean, she she's been amazing this year. Um, right now, she's 
averaging 11.5 and 6.4 rebounds per game. So one of your top scores, one of your top players on the board. And um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, we'll talk about the Notre Dame matchup in a bit, but she's the exact player you want against a team like Notre Dame that has a stretch four because she can guard out on the perimeter too. But Noah, um, if you have any thoughts on the Notre Dame game, on the Pittsburgh game, and then um, how it say Mimi Collins misses a couple weeks here, how does that kind of adjust your expectations for how February is going to finish up here for the pack? It makes it interesting because, you know, she, as you said, is, is one of their better players. She's having a career year, you know, the 11.5, yeah. 6.4 boards, both are the, are, you know, career best. And she's been playing really, really well. And, you know, she helped them get through without River Baldwin, you know, playing the five. Yeah. Um, she's a really versatile player. She can play all over the court, which I think is really, you know, something that could hurt them the most. And then the second part is, is what do they do if she's hurt and can't play? Most likely they're going to start Zoe Brooks and, and just move people around mm-hmm. and, and play Madison Hayes and the four and, and just kind of slide everybody down one. And that might work. Um, but if you find a team that's going to play two bigs, then that they're going to be, you know, a little bit in trouble and have to play a freshman either, you know, like a Mallory Collier or, um, you know, go somewhere that way. And, and that could be interesting too. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's one that hurts more than I think River Baldwin getting hurt is because, you know, she did so much for this yeah. team and, and whether it was scoring offense, defense, and, and you either replace her with Maddie Cox or Mallory Collier. So, I think that that takes a hit. So if it's something that's short term, she misses a week or so, I think they'll be okay. But if this is one that they go down to Greensboro without her, then it, it could be a problem, you know, down the stretch and, and we'll see what happens. And you don't want to say it could cost them a one seed, but if she's out for a month, it might. And yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. It definitely could. Um, and th- that, that's a good segue into um, we talk about teams playing two bigs. Notre Dame is going to do that, and they'll be in Notre Dame Thursday night for a 6 p.m. tip-off on the ACC network. Notre Dame's going to play um, two bigs, and um, their power forward, um, Maddie Westfeld, is someone who's given the pack problems in the past. Um, she, she can get out behind the three-point line and shoot it, score inside. She's a really, really good player. And, um, you know, Mimi Collins is the perfect player to guard her. Like, she is um, more than capable of closing out defending the three, but is a tough player in the paint as well and would be able to, I think, be an ideal matchup. And, um, I mean, we don't know her status, but if she miss, if Mimi misses this game, then that matchup becomes a lot, lot tougher because suddenly you're playing um, either Madison Hayes, who's really good defender, um, really good rebounder. There's a reason why they feel comfortable playing her at um, power forward. She's also um, six foot. So she's three three inches shorter than um, Westbelt is. So we'll see how that goes. Or, or you could put Maddie Cox out there, the true freshman, um, who's 6'2", and, uh, and has played good minutes at points this season and see if she's ready to take on a bigger role. But, yeah, um, Coach Moore said it after the game against Pittsburgh. Someone's gonna, people are going to have to step up. Um, so this is a really talented team. There's a lot of talent on this roster. So it's just a question of who, who we're going to see step up and can they – not replace the production, but at least, um, you know, lessen the blow of um, Mimi Collins' injury. And um, we'll see how severe that ends up being. Um, because of the uncertainty around that game, Noah, um, I'm leaning towards predict- predicting that game against no- Notre Dame as a loss. I-, I think it's going to be a 
tough one. You're going to have to stop um, Hannah Hildago, um, Notre Dame's star freshman point guard, averaging over 25 points per game, over five steals per game. Um, both lead the ACC. Um, I mean, I think they have the guards and between Isaiah and Sanaya to slow her down. I, I think it'll be a similar game plan to what they did against um, Georgia Amor of Virginia Tech. I think be, but then, you know, they still have um, Citron is another really, really talented guard over at Notre Dame, and they've got a lot of really talented players. So since it's a road game, first game without Mimi Collins, it kind of has similar shades to me as the first Virginia Tech game. Um, and I think I'm leaning towards a close loss there. Um, Noah, what's your gut going into that game? I think it's similar. I think if they can control Hannah Hidalgo, I think he gives him a chance even without Mimi Collins on the floor. You know, but then again, Hidalgo does a lot other than score the basketball. She's a really yeah. good scorer, but she she's a elite defender. I mean, you talk about two of the best guards that can defend in the ACC, maybe even the country. You know, it's gonna be a cool matchup with with her and Sanaya Rivers. So that'll be fun to watch. But otherwise, I just feel like uh, Notre Dame might just have the upper hand if maybe Collins can't go. But if she comes out of nowhere and, and can g- give them some minutes on the court, then, you know, it, it gives me a chance to lean toward NC State. But I think you're right. I think a, a tight loss on the road is probably what, what the Wolfpack might see. And, and it's not the end of the world. Notre Dame's a really good team. Um, you know, I don't think that this would, you know, cause the sky to fall in Raleigh. But it's just – it would be great to get a win on the road at Notre Dame, but if it doesn't go their way, then it is what it is. They come home and, and try to reset. Yeah, even if you lose this one on the road, like you're the number um, six, team, six team in the country. Even if you lose it, you're probably staying in the top ten if you respond with a win against um, Georgia Tech in, on, over the weekend. And it's it's you're still in play for the one seed. Um, at that point, your chances at the ACC regular season title are probably out the window if you lose another one. I think the pack would probably have to um, run the table or get close to that down the stretch here. Um, but other than that, your goals will be in front of you. And um, and shoot, we're, it's not like we're sitting here ruling out that they'll go to South Bend and win tomorrow. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by any means if that happened. So there you go. Um, those are our basketball predictions for the week. Um, we're going to turn our attention to football and then a little bit of baseball talk, too, to wrap up the show. Um, but before we do that, I just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is a ticket buying and selling marketplace, whether you're looking for tickets to, um, you know, the next women's basketball game, looking for tickets to go see a Canes game, a comedy show, a concert, whatever you're looking for, Game Time has it. And they have great deals for last-minute tickets. Um, that's what I, it's my go-to for last-minute ticket buying, especially because if I'm look if I'm sitting on the couch on a Thursday and I have nothing to do and the Hurricanes tickets are cheap, shoot, why not? I'll, I'll go I'll go see the Canes this weekend. So um, if if you go and check it out right now, you can go and look on the Game Time app or go to your browser and type in GameTime.co, not .com.co, and then you go check it out and you can see exactly the view you would be sitting from before you buy the ticket. It's my favorite thing about that by far. I'll hold it up to the for those watching on YouTube. We can see, you know, you're sitting in row N in section 309. You'd be able to tell right where you would be. So it's pretty cool. I really like it. You can go to um, the Blackhawks at Hurricanes game on um, next Monday for $39. And um, not only that, Noah, I will sweeten the deal even more for you. Because if you go and you go on to the Game Time app and use code WOLFPACK, 
That's all caps Wolfpack. You'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So that's you're you're going to um, the Hurricanes game for basically like if you went to the movies and got a bottle of water and a large popcorn. So go check it out. Um, game time app or game time.co on your web browser. And um, yeah, $20 off if you use code, all caps code Wolfpack. All right, Noah. Um, you know, our first few months together covering this beat, we spent all on the football team. And I feel like we took one prolonged deep breath after the bowl game. We, we, we took a break. We gave some big picture thoughts. But um, we kind of switched gears, and now it's time to start ramping up again because there's really no true offseason in college football anymore, and um, spring practice is just a couple weeks away. And I wanted to talk about it. So we're going to talk about a little bit of what we're going to be looking out for. Um, a, qu- a couple quick news and notes um, as far as football goes. Uh, NFL Combine invites came out. Um, so Peyton Wilson and Dylan McMahon, um, the former Wolfpack captains, they'll both be – at the NFL Combine, and then um, Joe Shimko, longtime long snapper, will be at um, the Specialist Showcase. So good opportunity for them to get in front of all these NFL scouts, you know, take another step towards their dream. But um, what I wanted to do is, and for those who are, um, you know, also subscribers to the site, I encourage you to go look. But um, we published a, a story earlier um, this year with our um, bi- biggest questions surrounding the team going into spring practice. And Noah, what I want to do is I want us to each take one of, of the six questions that we asked and answered in that story. And um, let, let, let's break it down on the pod. Let, let's talk through um, why it's a big question mark and then try, try to answer it to the extent that we can, right? Um, at this point, it's a lot of speculation. We have a little bit of intel to back it up that we'll share with y'all. But um, well, let's each pick one question that um, we think NC State really needs to answer during its um, 15 spring practices over the course of um, February, March, and April here. Noah, do you want to go ahead and go for your question? Yeah, I'll take one. And I answer this on there. You know, it's, does NC State need a fourth quarterback? It's mm-hmm. a big question. They've got three scholarship quarterbacks in the roster. Do they need a fourth? And here's the reason why. You bring in Grayson McCall, obviously, you know, the likely starter out of camp. You know, he's the only guy that's taken college start or made a college start in the in the room. So he'll obviously be there. And then they've got two young guys behind him. And, and you know, Lex Thomas, who registered this past season. And then Cedric Bailey, who's on campus right now as a true freshman. Question is, do they need an experienced backup? And Dave Dorn talked about it on Sunday a little bit, and he basically said, "We'll wait and see. If he's comfortable with what they have, they'll ride with it. If not, they'll go and see what's out there." They did kind of explore a little bit what's out there um, with Ryan Berger from App State, but didn't go anywhere with him, and he ended up, you know, committing to a different school. So we'll see what happens. But I think that question, you know, going in the spring practice, is one that we don't really know an answer to. Yeah, I think we could err on the side of. Maybe like it, it all comes down to what the fresh, what these two young quarterbacks look like mm-hmm. in camp. If they look really good, I wouldn't expect the Wolfpack to do anything. Um, but if there's a chance that they're shaky or, or they're just not comfortable with with rolling with them, then uh, we can see maybe like a, a sophomore or junior from the portal get brought in just to be that that backup. Maybe it's an FCS transfer. Maybe it's a group of five transfer. Someone to come in and be a solid backup in the in the event they they need to go to. Yeah, to kind of set the expectations for that one, like I think it would be much more closer to like a Jack Chambers type of quarterback, yeah. like F, like you said, an FCS chain transfer who comes in 
for his last season of eligibility, maybe just wants a shot at power five football and, um, you know, provides that valuable veteran voice. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to go do like what Oregon did and get um, Dante Moore to sit for a year behind Dylan Gabriel. Um, That's definitely um, an anomaly there. But um, I I think, you know, it's not the spring portal window. It's not quite what the winter portal window is, but it'll be busy. And um, there will be names out there that um, I think they'll be able to go get someone if um, they feel the need arises. I will say if they don't, then they must, then I don't think Wolfpack fans have to be worried. I think they should be encouraged. Um, After how the 2022 season went with four different quarterbacks starting games, this staff is well aware of how important the backup quarterback position is. So they're going to be evaluating it very closely throughout the spring. Like that, that's not a concern. Um, if, if they don't bring in another quarterback, that's honestly great news because that means Lex Thomas or Cedric Bailey has shown that they're ready to handle that responsibility right off the bat, in my opinion. And, um, you know, who knows? We, we haven't gotten to see much of Lex Thomas, but um, it was productive passer in high school. And then um, Cedric Bailey was, you know, putting up monster numbers. That, um, I think Max Preps had his high school, Shamanam Madonna, as the number two program in the country, the state champion, champion and all of that, and an early enrollee. So there's talent in the quarterback room. Let's just we'll see if anyone steps up. And you're right. That's not a question we can answer right now because um, well, it's going to rely a lot on what we see out of spring practice. All right. I'm going to adapt one of the questions I asked. Oh, we went in depth and talked about the linebacker rotation in the story. What's it going to look like? I want to kind of focus it a little bit on just how the heck, Noah, do you replace Peyton Wilson? I mean, you're, you're, you're asking NC State this season to replace one of the most impactful defensive players I've ever seen. Like at, at any level, um, just he, he impacted every single play, it seemed like, defensively. And, um, you know, you're losing that presence, and it's a big presence. It's a leadership presence on and off the field. You're going to have to fill a void. Um, Noah, what is the linebacker room going to look like this year? Because then, in addition to Peyton Wilson, you're also losing Jalen Scott, who was, like, I'd say the second-best linebacker in the room last year. Yeah, they got to replace two linebackers, and that's hard to do. And it's hard to do no matter who the two linebackers are. You lose two starting linebackers. That is what it is, right? But then you look at it and go, wait. One of them is one of the best linebackers ever come through the program. Mm-hmm. And I think that just changes changes it up a little bit. But when you look at who they have, you can feel pretty good. Um, you know, Caden Fordham, Devon Betty, obviously the two guys that probably slot into the top two spots in the linebacker room just as a whole. If you take all the linebackers put them together, they're probably going to start. It's about filling that third spot. There are some choices. They can go the freshman route. They've got two guys that redshirted this past season. You know, in Kelvin McBride and Kamal Bonner. Go yeah. the Juco route. They brought in a linebacker, Wyatt Wright. More with the third route. And the guy impressed against Clemson when he needed to be put at the linebacker spot because Peyton Wilson got hurt. And that's that's Sean Brown, a lot of safety who uh, impressed in his, his one drive at, li- at linebacker. He had, what, I think six or seven tackles on one drive. He was all over the field. So, I don't know what they do. There's a lot of options. Obviously, I think Caden Fordham and, and, and Devon Betty are obviously probably the sure locks to start. Yeah. Um, but that third spot's got a competition. 
Wyatt Wright is an intriguing guy that can play there. And I think will play no matter what happens. I think he'll get that like rotational spot, if anything. But the starting spot, we'll see what happens. It's a lot of unknowns, and it's not for a lack of talent, right? Like you mentioned the two redshirt freshmen, um, Kelvon McBride and Kamal Bonner. Those guys are like two players who unprompted throughout the fall just garnered huge praise by the staff. Like they, they came in and really impressed as true freshmen. Um, and it was such an experienced room that, of course, they didn't see um, much game action. But the talents there, I really liked both of them out of high school. They both um, played kind of like safety roles almost for a while at their high school team, out for their high school programs. Kel Vaughn was like a three-star receiver for a little while. <laughs> Um, so they have, they're athletic, um, fast players who, um, have now had, you know, more than, or in Calvon's case, a little less than a year because he enrolled in the summer, but, um, Kamal has been here since last January. So they've had time in a college program to, you know, bulk up, learn, learn the three, three, five system, which, you know, asks a lot out of the linebackers. And, um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see if one or both of them can step up into at least a rotational role. Um, I think it'd be very great to see them do that because I think it's going to be a little more linebacker by committee than we've seen um, last year, especially. And yeah, you mentioned Wyatt. I think he's great. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, um, Hard hitting guy, put up big numbers at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, sort of an under the radar guy that um, his ranking rose quite a bit over like the last month of the recruiting cycle ended up as like a high three star. So, you know, I'm optimistic about what he'll do in his years with the pack. And, you know, it's just all about seeing um, what happens. And if they don't feel great about it, I bet we could see Sean Brown play linebacker next year. Um, And I think in my opinion, and this is not in any way reflective of, um, you know, what, what the staff use it. I think it'd be great to keep him at safety if they feel like they have a good enough linebacker room to do so just because, I think he can be one of the best, like in the box safeties in the country by the time his Wolfpack career is over. I think he is another Tanner Ingle type of guy who can have that sort of impact stopping the run. I thought he got a lot better against the pass as the season went on, too. So I really like Sean Brown as a player. Um, whether he's at safety or linebacker, I think he'll have um, a really, really good year. All right. Um, Noah, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit of Wolfpack baseball. Opening day is Friday against um, VCU. Noah, your alma mater. Um, so, and it'll be, and a former um, pro coaching program of Elliot Avent as well. So, some history there. Uh, you've been around the program a little bit in the run up to this season. Um, give us a little breakdown. Where should um, Wolfpack fans' expectations be? heading into the 2024 baseball season. Should be pretty high, right? Um, you know, NC State's got the pieces to make something happen this year. They've got hitting. They've got pitching depth. It did take a little bit of a hit, you know, with one injury in the preseason. But other than that, they've got enough depth to, to kind of make it work. And I think they'll be good. You know, they're ranked as high as 13 um, in the different polls. College baseball is weird where there's like five to six different polls that come yeah. out every week. Um, but they're anywhere from 13 to 22. Most of them have in the teens. We'll just use whatever one's the highest each week, um, and we'll go from there. So they're 13th in the country, you know, heading into the season. So high expectations, obviously. Um, trying to get back to the regional. They made it last year, you know, just didn't, didn't get out of the Columbia regional. So 
We'll see. I think the expectation can be to, to host a regional. I think that they're capable of doing that this year. Um, we'll see. We'll, they start off with VCU. Good opponent. Not a not an elite, you know, top 15 team in the country, but also not a pushover team either. So this will be a fun weekend to get it started off. And Ailey Davent has his degree from VCU, and uh, he can get his 1,000th career win at NC State against them. So that would be kind of cool too. So a little, little bit of uh, backstory on that. So we'll see what happens, but um, Wolfpack looks pretty good. Awesome. All right, folks. Um, that's all from us today. Um, thank you for watching and listening to this show. Um, we really appreciate it. And there's just a lot going on with Wolfpack Athletics. We didn't even talk about um, wrestling's got a top 10 matchup this week as well. So um, it, it's going to be a busy week for Wolfpack Sports. We'll be back um, next week to talk about it, recap it, um, and you know, talk about the major storylines here. But uh, yeah, uh, we're, we, we've you've kind of gotten through the like you know dead period of the winter. We start to ramp up here um, when we get to the end of the end of February um, and into March. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have full coverage of it over on thewolfpacker.com. So go check it out. Only one dollar to join for your first month. All right, thanks everyone, and we'll see you next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.